Hi everyone, you're listening to another podcast from Red Hat Summit 2013. I'm joined by Brendan Connorboy from Global Engineering Services. Brendan, say hello. Hi everybody. Brendan, Summit's always awash with new technology and new expectations from people who are going to be consuming that technology across cloud, across traditional bare metal, and in the data center. You're responsible really for the hyperscale computing arm of Red Hat. Talk to me about hyperscale computing. Hyperscale computing is essentially where all data center deployments are going. Chips aren't getting any faster, but they're getting a lot more cores. And so as cores increase, we need to have new workloads that scale across many non-coherent processors. So what are the benefits of hyperscale computing compared to traditional computing? Well, I'd say it's not so much that there are benefits to hyperscale computing, it's that there are challenges to hyperscale computing. Inevitably, we're all going to be doing hyperscale computing. There are thousands of computers in a single rack coming down, and the traditional client-server model has single points of failure where if you have a thousand clients talking to one server, the server can't keep up with the load or the network can't keep up with the load. And so there are three major innovations that are allowing this increased density. The first is move to system on a chip, Uh where things that are traditionally on the motherboard have been moved to the processor. So we've gone from a, a very big circuit board to just everything on a little bit of silicon. And at the same time, that silicon is getting smaller through process shrinks that gets much smaller and it also takes less power overall so that's the first thing the second is integrated system fabric mm-hmm. whereas we traditionally have network cables coming out of the back or maybe just on a, a blade server we have a backplane that interconnects them mm-hmm. now we have fabric that scales to thousands and thousands of processors each one of those processors can talk to every other one of those processors at full speed much faster than 10G. Some of the things that we were showing at the summit this week had 160 gigabit per second uplinks between the different chips. So very fast. And even storage is being virtualized and put onto that fabric. So you can have your compute on one side, your storage on the other, and you can dynamically reconfigure them and reroute the storage to the chips as you need it. Do you think that in years to come, when IT managers are having to sort of understand what traditional computing looks like and feels like, it's not just about provisioning of services and applications, but it's also about understanding where applications and processes need to sit? Well, I think that's part of it, but one of the things we want to do is actually make it so you don't have to think about that. It actually happens behind the scenes, or you think about it once when you're setting up your management solution and your, all of your physical systems, you can treat them in a virtual manner. When I think about data center computing, traditional data center computing, it was all about air conditioning. It was all about power. It was all about how many U servers I could actually fit in a rack. Hyperscale completely blows that out of the water. It does, and that's, that's uh, one of the big issues, is that if you put a 1,000 systems that each take 100 watts into a rack, you're just going to catch your data center on fire. Mm-hmm. A lot of the chips we're seeing now have 5-watt TDP, 6-watt TDP, and that's the entire system. Uh-huh. And the Sitamon chip actually gives you part of that. It's, it, it is probably the biggest harbinger of density. So in one example we give, there's a 1,000 quad-core systems in one rack, and it takes less power to drive that entire rack than it does to cook a turkey in an oven. Uh-huh. It's pretty spectacular stuff, isn't it? Now, we work with all manufacturers of processes. 
Uh, I know that you do a lot of work with Intel and also with ARM. You've been over in Cambridge, you've seen the, the labs over there. And of course, we have our own John Masters who has a specific bent around ARM. Um, ARM are really changing the whole, the whole gamut of IT, aren't they? Well, they are. So ARM is doing a couple things that's very exciting. They, coming from a mobile background, have been doing system on a chip for a while now. And so system on a chip is not necessarily an ARM technology, but ARM has been doing it for quite a while. Uh, if you look at newer Intel designs, more and more of the stuff that is traditionally on the motherboard is also moving to the chip, though. So ARM, a little company from Cambridge in the UK who appeared from nowhere in the mid-1980s, early 1990s, ubiquitous now across Android smartphones. Embedded devices, but also across the data center as well, and in growing numbers. We saw the first 64 bit uh, sort of beta type of demonstration service yesterday with John Masters and his presentation. Yeah, that was pretty exciting. We've been doing the ARM 64 bit bootstrap in the Fedora space for the last three months. We're about 75% done now, and even at this point, we have things like LustreFS up and running. Yeah, you can see the demonstration in a video that I recorded yesterday, and I'm also going to be putting a podcast out this morning, which is the whole of John's presentation. Well, I was running the booth, so I haven't seen it. Well, you can now download it and listen to it. Fantastic. But one of the problems you're going to have in the data center, and also across you know your heterogeneous environments, is, is management. So if we've got this new world order of lower-powered, uh, lower-power-consuming server technologies, what about managing them? So that's actually being handled at every level. The new chips that are coming out, in addition to being multi-core, have additional management cores sitting on the same chip. So when you turn on one of these servers, the server with Linux on it doesn't turn on. The management interface turns on. And you can connect to it by IPMI and say, turn on, turn off, upgrade your firmware, or even give me a console. And in that way, you have very fine granularity ability to manage individual systems. That power lets you treat the system like an individual system, but you can also automate management of it via scripting to turn on thousands of systems at once or run remote diagnostics. In fact, the full uh, RAS toolkit is essentially available. When Blade Service first appeared, sort of 1996, 1997, the first Blade Service, People were excited because they could get more density in a rack. They could get more computing in a rack. Hyperscale is even more exciting than that, isn't it? It is. Although, you know, when you first get one of these servers, you're like, wow, I have a thousand servers in this eight-cubic-foot box. What do I do with this? Yeah, you yeah. don't have a monitor. You don't have a keyboard. So the management interface is really fundamental to getting the most out of it. Next steps. Next steps, we have incredibly high density servers, very fast networking, easy to manage. So next up is making the most of that with the operating system. Excellent. Now ARM, as, an as, a, as a company, they were over here last year. I think I saw them walking the halls this year. Yeah, they were here both years. They were actually sponsors this year. Okay. I didn't notice because I've been locked in a cupboard with a microphone recording this stuff. Yes, they, uh, uh, a couple of the fellows came out and were walking around, and uh, I think they were pretty excited to see the 64-bit ARM demo that John did. For a small company in Cambridge in the UK, they've got a pretty global presence now, haven't they? They do. Their, their licensing model is very interesting. They don't actually make chips. They license their designs, and others make their chips. Brendan, it's been great having you on the podcast. Thanks for making time. Thanks, Richard.